Good evening and welcome to the third episode of the Political Tipster. Now, some of you may be new to this channel because, of course, uh, I have made the decision to move my channel onto the Bornbrook magazine channel. Uh, it's a, a magazine which I've been writing for for several months now. Uh, I was really excited about the project um and i made the decision to move the channel over so for those who are new um let me just explain what the channel is about uh basically what i do is i invite guests on to discuss upcoming elections and and analyze um what what could happen in these elections um and then at the end, I give some tips um, for you to, to have a little dabble on. Um, so thus far, we have made 19 predictions. And you can go back to my old channel, The Political Tipster, and have a look yourself uh, at some of the episodes. Um, so the first one was a, was a big episode because it was the local elections. And just to give you a flavor of some of the things that we tipped. So for the Scottish parliamentary election, we got all three correct. We said no SNP majority. We said there'd be a turnout of over 57%. And we said the SNP would get between 61 and 65 seats. Uh, so they got 64 in the end, which is one short of a majority. Uh, so that was a success. Uh, where we had the least success was the Welsh parliamentary elections. So we correctly said that there'd be no Labour majority and it would be a Labour minority government. Those came in very low odds, though. Uh, however, uh, I did believe that Labour would do worse off in Wales than it did. Uh, so, for example, we tipped Plaid Cymru to steal Clonelli. That didn't happen. And... A bit more of an outside shout. We said that um, that uh, Plaid Cymru may take Mark Drakeford's seat, but uh, he actually increased his majority. So uh, that was where we had the least success. However, everywhere else it was a lot of success. So Hartley pulled by elections. Uh, we said Conservative win. Conservative between 50 and 55% of the vote share. They got 51.9%. So that, that was really happy with that. And we also said that Thelma Walker of the Norman, Northern Independence Party would get under 5% of the vote share. Uh, those were really inflated odds. It's one of those classic uh, Twitter politics inflating the odds. So uh, easy money there. Then the Red Wall Councils. Uh, unfortunately, we couldn't find any bookies offering uh, for these because they were quite small and the page could have gone on and on uh, but we did get five out of six of these correct so we said Labour would click on to Kingston upon Hull which it did shorter majority uh, to hold on to Bury, which it just about did with again a smaller majority we said the Tories would take control of Cannon Chase it did uh, we said they'd take control of Amber Valley too and they smashed Labour to pieces there um, then we also said that Labour would be the biggest party but lose its majority in Durham. Um, 
and that's what it did. Um, I think it lost a total of 16 seats and the Tories gained 14. And actually, for the first time in decades, Labour are now out of power then. There was an unbelievable coalition between the Tories, the Greens, the Lib Dems, loads of independents, a uh, really big coalition, which was uh, something. And then the one we did get incorrect was I thought that Labour would lose its majority in Rotherham. Uh, its seats did fall from 48 to 32, but it just clung on to its majority and, and the Tories unbelievably went up from zero to 20. Uh, quite sensational stuff. Uh, moving on, we finished off with the London mayoral election where we said Sadiq Khan uh, wouldn't win on first preference votes, quite low odds, but still that came in. And then we said the Conservatives would cling up, would hold on to Havering and Redbridge. The bookies believed they wouldn't, but they did in the end, so we won that. And then as the sort of my lump of the week was the Tories national equivalent vote share, we got that correct. And then in my second episode, um, I digested the um, Scottish parliamentary results and we talked briefly about the Ardra and Shots by-elections. Uh, I predicted under 50% voter turnout. It was exactly that, that pretty good odds as well, 3.1. So overall, if you'd put 20, 20 pounds on everything that I tipped, I would never recommend that. Uh, but if you did, uh, we would be on a current total profit of 225 pounds and 20 pence. So we're hoping this sort of streak continues. Uh, let's hope it does. So now I'd like to invite my guest for this week's episode, um, Peter, from uh, who works for Bornbrook itself. Good evening. Hi, good evening. Uh, it's great to be on. Uh, so Peter, just tell us a little bit of, about your role for the, for the magazine. So uh, I'm the I'm the associate editor at uh, Bornbrook Magazine. I've been part of the team f basically since its uh, uh, very inception. And um, uh, lately, a lot of the uh, coverage I've been doing for them was on the the, uh, the local elections and other contests, the the US uh, the US elections before that. So uh, this is something. It's kind of a topic that I follow quite closely. Very nice. And um, were you were there any surprises for you in those local elections? Um, I don't think there was anything that kind of blew my mind. I mean, in Scotland, I thought that the SNP would either get, you know, a very narrow majority or very close to a majority. Um, in Hartlepool, um, I think the Tories did better than I expected, but I think in the final days, I, I did think they were probably going to win that seat. Um, apart from that, I mean, I think the, the one thing that surprised me the most was quite how badly Labour did just across the country, um, not just in those kind of so-called, you know, Red Bull seats. Um, I mean, if you look at, um, I, I think, uh, the, well, I, I think the, the result of the Labour Party kind of hoped for was basically what happened with the Liberal Democrats, the locals, whereas they lost a bunch of seats in kind of their former kind of uh, strongholds that they were, you know, very strong in, I don't know, like the a decade ago, uh, but they've replaced, but they replaced those losses with gains in uh, more kind of leafy southern uh, 
Tory held uh, Tory held councils. Um, so for the Liberal Democrats, it was kind of this kind of realignment election, whereas they lost a bunch of seats in some places, they gained a bunch of seats in the others, and in the end, it more or less equaled itself out. I think Labour was kind of hoping for the same thing, and that yeah, they would the um, the collapse of the Red Wall, you know, that we saw on the parliamentary level in 2019, would continue on the local level, um, but they would um, hopefully at the same time as kind of mitigating those losses, they would um, they would gain seats again, like in southern England and the southwest, uh, and you know. Um, in, you know, in Kent. Um, and uh, can, what ended up happening is they, they did get completely routed um, in the North and in the Midlands, um, with some exceptions, like in the Northwest around Manchester, where they did relatively okay. Um, but their performance uh, in the rest of the country was also very, very lackluster. And while well, it ended up with being, I believe, the third worst local elections results uh, for the Labour Party, when they were in opposition, I think, in history, uh, behind uh, Kinnock and uh, Corbyn in 2017, I believe. So yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought um, I thought Labour would probably do marginally better than they did on the uh, kind of on the national level, but I don't think there was anything that completely blew my mind. And I think really to add to Labour's worry was probably the results in Sheffield and Bristol, where actually. Uh, they lost a lot of seats to the Green Party, which could suggest that actually this uh, progressive um, electorate, which they, they've been uh, aiming at for quite some time now, seems to be abandoning them in some places. And it, 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 it seems to be the Labour wall is falling at all sides, not just the, the traditional working class, but in some places, especially in Bristol, the, the more uh, liberal, cosmopolitan, progressive uh, cities as well. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that's one interesting aspect of the last election, I guess, as well, is that, um, you know, Labour didn't just lose ground to the Tories, right? They, 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 lost, uh, they lost to the Greens in, uh, in Bristol, they lost to the Greens and the Lib Dems in, uh, in Sheffield, they lost seats to the, I think, the Lib Dems and the Greens in uh, Sunderland, as well as the Tories. Mm. Um, so, I mean, that's kind of, I think the, um, the reason that that's a good point to bring up is a lot of the kind of labor damage mitigation um, in the kind of in their media approach uh, in the aftermath of the elections was, you know, all about, well, you know, we're, we're fighting an uphill battle, you know, vaccine bounce, yada, yada. Um, but it, yeah, I mean, but it is, it is worth mentioning that other opposition parties did relatively okay. Um, at labor's expense, uh, especially the Greens, who uh, I, th I think more than doubled uh, the, the the amount of councillors from uh, from the last uh, two contests. There, yeah, and uh, well, we we have an interesting test coming up for them as well on the first of July, which is Batley and Spen. Uh, but before we go on to that, actually, we're going to look at Chesham and Amisham by-election, uh, which is this Thursday. Um, so just to give you a brief background, uh, the seat was vacated uh, after the sad passing of uh, Tory MP Cheryl Gillian, who was the former Welsh secretary as well. Uh, so this is a very different election to, to Hartlepool and Batley and Spen. It's a uh, Buckingham sheet uh, seat, sorry. Uh, and it, it's home to a lot more affluent professionals. Uh, I believe the 
uh, it is connected to London as well. So you, you have a lot of people who work in London or have business in London. Um, so in the previous election, uh, the Tories got around 30.8 thousand, which was down 5.3%. The Lib Dems got 14.6. So currently the Tories have a majority of about 16,000. Uh, but the Lib Dems, they much doubled their vote uh, from 2017. And Labour fell around 7.7% to 7.1 thousand uh, votes. Uh, and since its creation, it's always been Tory. And it's always had a majority of around between 10 and 24,000. Um, so this is a very, very safe Tory seat. Peter, are we going to see any surprises at all? Well, I mean, this is this is interesting because um, I mean the Lib Dems finally, you know, have some reason to exist with you know this by-election because I mean they've kind of been on hiatus, you know, ever since the their well, it was quite disastrous 2019 result. Um, it's it's quite evident that the the, uh, the party is throwing the kitchen sink uh, at this seat. Uh, the uh, Davy, the Lib Dem leader, he's been up there multiple times. Um, they, they're you know they're flooding the area with activists from from all, all around the country. Um, you know, I mean it, it's interesting because I mean the Liberal Democrats tend to do quite well in by-elections, certainly compared to their recent general election results. Um, this is much more of a long shot though than some of their previous by-election gains from the government, uh, such as in Brecon and Radnorshire, um, and in Richmond Park. Um, I mean, they're, they're far, this is a far safer Tory seats than those two were, certainly in the case of Richmond Park. Um, and um, it's also happening at a time when the government is enjoying quite, quite, high, uh, quite high approval. So um, they certainly probably won't win it based on the national mood. I, I think the only thing that can potentially cause an upset is the local situation, uh, which, um, which is basic from, from what I've much to gather, the local campaign there has basically been uh, fought on the issue of the government's uh, health, uh, planning reforms and uh, and HS2, which is supposed to run through this, uh, the constituency. Um, which, which, by the way, has just led to a quite a quite a funny situation because, as I said, like the the area has been uh, flooded with uh, quite a lot of young Lib Dem activists, um, many of whom are very pro house building and pro HS2. Um, and uh, they're kind of stuck there campaigning for for a candidate who um, who's basically trying to be more nimby than the uh, the, the than the, the, the conservative, um, fighting the entire campaign basically on uh, on uh, opposing new housing developments and uh, and stopping HS two. Um, will that will that be enough um, to uh, for the Lib Dems to win it? I mean, I I don't know. I th I think uh, I'll believe it when I see it, but. Uh, I, th I think they'll do relatively well, but I'd be very surprised if they actually took that seat. Yeah, it, it seems to be, I, I remember the reform candidate um, for the by-election said that essentially this by-election is a referendum on HS2. And actually Cheryl Gillian, despite being a, a conservative, was uh, ardently anti-HS2. But it seems to me in this election, the Tory candidate has a more diluted uh, policy of 
damage limitation like it's we've accepted hs2 is here but we're gonna try and do what we can to limit its damages we'll, we'll Will that play a big part in the? Yeah. Well, I think for the conservative candidate, it's 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 harder to uh, to uh, to oppose uh, to oppose stuff like HS2 because at the end of the day, you know, he's going to have to answer to the uh, to the government's chief whip. And I mean, I mean, obviously, he could fight the. You know, like I don't think uh, they want to fight a, the campaign on uh, basically opposing the uh, the government. Um, whereas with the Liberal Democrats, uh, even though the National Party is pro HS2. Um, the um their candidate you know if she were to be elected uh will you know obviously find it much easier to oppose it in parliament because the lib Dems, you know um with their numbers don't exactly have a very sophisticated whipping operation and um yeah i mean uh i don't know i, I don't know how much exactly it'll it'll play in on the ground um again i i think if you know if the lib dems they're coming from about you know 26% of the Conservatives, 55. Um, I, I don't quite think that those kind of local issues, important as they are, will quite be enough for that kind of swing. But to be fair, like I haven't, I haven't been there, I haven't spoken to them. So uh, anything could happen. I mean, but uh, again, I, I would be surprised if they were actually to run it. Another important point could possibly be uh, Brexit uh, because, um, Cheryl Gillian herself was very pro-Brexit and actually in 2017 Labour came second uh, but in 2019 the Lib Dems retook uh, second place where it seems to be there was some sort of uh, movement of Remainers to get behind the Lib Dem. The constituency itself voted 55% to Remain but more importantly actually its turnout for the Brexit referendum was 83.6%, which was the highest in the country, quite interestingly. So it seems as if Brexit was a very important uh, topic for the constituency. Do you think the sort of wound of Brexit will continue to... Um, so, so, for example, in, in the next few years, will... Brexit voters continue to be loyal uh, to the Conservatives and will Remainers continue to be loyal to uh, Labour or the Lib Dems or will the ghost of Brexit uh, eventually disappear? Well, the thing about the ghost of uh, Brexit is uh, it, it was never actually that much about Brexit. I mean, I mean a, lo a lot of the, you know, a lot of Labour's decline in, you know, in the Midlands and the North and uh, parts of Wales. I mean, that's... Um, in its kind of you know traditional heartlands, it was it was kind of a, a long term realignment that predated Brexit in many ways. Um, it, it, it in fact like in um, you know uh, Labour lost most. Um, if you take if you take the cohort of voters uh, that voted Labour in 2010, but then stopped voting Labour by 2019, so they ever stopped voting Labour in 2019 or in the election or in 2015 or 2017 um out of out of that voter group um most of those voters abandoned labor in 2015 before the brexit referendum um oh sorry sorry i should add uh, the voters who voted labor in 2010 brexit in 2016 and left the party by 2019 most of them stopped voting for labor in 2015 so before the referendum so like the the, the in many ways you know the um kind of the brexit divide is always um um, be more about uh, social attitudes and social values and 
kind of this historical realignment based on those terms, um, as opposed to being necessarily about issue voting. Um, so it, it, going off that, it, it begs to reason um, that the that that voters won't go back to, to you know um, that that the 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 uh, the, the kind of uh, breakdown we saw along Brexit lines will will continue to stick. Um, I, in terms of in terms of uh, Chesham and Amisham, um, one interesting thing is that conservative Remainers have been far more resilient um, in remaining in their camp than labor leavers. Um, and um, and that's, that's assuming that, you know, the Brexit kind of wounds will uh, play a much, play a big effect in this by-election, which I really don't think is going to be the case. Um, I mean, it, 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 you know, should be mentioned, you know, this is not an, in, an incredibly Romanian constituency. I mean, you said what, 55% voted Remain, which, yeah. I mean, it's all right, but, I don't, you know, it's not exactly Richmond Park, which was like, you know, 75% remain or, yeah. Um, so, I mean, the, the, that, that, that's one thing. And uh, I, I, don't, I don't think, uh, you know, former remain voters uh, are, are going to be quite a, well, I'll, I'll, I'll put it for you this way, right? Um, if, Brexit, if, if, if there was ever an election in which, which was supposed to be all about Brexit and, you know, the stakes were super high, right? depending on which way you vote, we might leave the European Union or remain in the European Union. That election was 2019. And in that election, the Lib Dems still only got 26% of the vote <laughs> um, in this seat. So uh, no, I, 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 I don't think, I don't think, uh, I don't think that's going to play much of a factor at all. Yeah, it's funny you should mention actually the, uh, the sort of uh, lack of want to leave the Conservative, well, lend your vote another party the conservative remainers uh, do you think that the leadership of jeremy corbyn had something to do with that because um there was probably a lot of conservative remainers who had to grit their teeth and, and vote for the party because they they didn't want Jer someone like jeremy corbyn as their prime minister now that there's a more we'll say moderate closer to the center leader of the Labour Party, could we see possibly those uh, Tory Remainers shift towards another party? I mean, it's plausible. I, I think it's certainly the case that at the last general election, uh, the fact that Jeremy Corbyn was Labour leader didn't just cost seats to, uh, to Labour. I mean, it probably stopped the Lib Dems from winning quite a few uh, potentially winnable contests. Um, you know, Cheltenham, uh, to, to name one. It's... Um, you know, maybe even places like Isher and Bolton. Because um, again, as you said, there's this kind of this kind of blue Lib Dem type of voter who is, you know, socially liberal, but economically, you know, right of center. And um, they certainly didn't want Jeremy Corbyn running the show. Um, and for better or for worse, the Lib Dems are have been seen for a while as the natural coalition partner for Labour and not the Conservatives. So, you know, if you're voting for the Lib Dems, you're also voting for them to back up a Labour government. Um, no matter how true that is, uh, that's certainly the perception. Um, will Keir Starmer do any better in that regard? I mean, sure. Um, but I guess this is not a general election. So, well, not no only, so, you know, like the, the keys to Downing Street are not exactly hanging in the balance here. Um, and, um, 
yeah, like yeah. I, so yeah, I, I I think I don't think the stakes are quite high enough uh, for, for that. And and uh, I I should also add that, you know, th like those those voters would be more likely to switch if the government was if the government was unpopular, which it's it's not. So that uh, that might further complicate things there. And going back to what you said, uh, that this isn't really about Brexit, it's about sort of social issues, um, well, social divides. Uh, interestingly, I, I found, so if you go on the electoral calculus, uh, it ranks every constituency uh, of how left or right they are on three issues. So you have economic, so the left side is higher taxes and spending, government regulation on business, nationalization, right wing, lower taxes and spending, light regulation, private industry, competition, free markets. Then you have the national, so the globalists, so you have pro-EU internationalists, cooperate and share sovereignty, put global interests over national interests. The nationalist, EU skeptic, put Britain first, British sovereignty, controls on immigration, uh, laws made in Britain, not internationally. And finally, you have the social liberal, uh, which is uh, permissive, allow people to do their own thing, accepting of minority rights, multiculturalism, and the social conservative, traditional values, authority, supportive of dominant culture, and moral majority. Um, so obviously, you know, that this is, categorizing it a bit but it, it's quite interesting just to show the sheer contrast between this seat and, and Hartlepool for example so Hartlepool um, was ranked uh, 68th on national uh, towards the right uh, 133 for social and 473rd uh, for economics so you can see left-wing economics mixed with social conservatism and nationalism, whereas Cheshire and Amisham is quite the opposite. So it's 420th uh, in terms of national, 379th social and 36th economic. So it's quite in that category of the, the blue Lib Dems, really very socially liberal, but uh, economically right wing. So it, it just shows its sheer contrast and with, with Boris Johnson dressing himself as this one nation conservative or red Tory we hear sometimes, will he be able to hung, hold together this broad church that is the Conservative Party at the moment? I mean, so far he's certainly been able to. Um, uh, he's certainly more popular right now than he, uh, than he was in the last general election. Uh, so he's got that going for him. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, uh, the uh, the Conservative coalition is a lot easier to uh, to hold together as it is than the Labour coalition, um, because you know recent because of you know we have seen kind of a I, I, yeah I, because of how this kind of realignment that we've seen over the past couple decades, um, I think I think the 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 rift between your kind of the kind of Labour's new coalition of you know younger uh, more middle-class professionals in urban seats um, versus older, traditionally working-class, um, socially conservative, you know, uh, voters in kind of its 
traditional seats. Um, I, th I think that rift is a lot bigger between that second group and the um, and kind of the more southern liberal conservative um, vote um, as it is right now. Um, it's just, I mean, in terms of you know how easy it is to hold those together, um, um, because for, for the conservatives, I mean, the like they they're offering kind of different things to different sides. I mean, they're kind of more socially conservative approach, um, among other things, you know, ha has helped the win over, you know, these former labor seats. But on the other hand, I mean, for for a lot of, um, for, for a lot of uh, kind of these more Southern conservative voters who are perhaps more socially liberal than some former labor voters in the North, um, you know, the, 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 those, the, those voters are maybe even less inclined uh, to be swayed based on kind of these you know more kind of culture war type type issues um and uh i'm more concerned you know of like kind of economic uh stability and so on um I, yeah I, I i don't know i i think i think the conservative coalition has proven a lot more stable than labor coalition i i think i think that's evident enough and i don't i don't think there's any um i don't think there's any evidence to suggest that it's you know it's about to collapse in the next you know three days okay um so we'll we'll have some tips now i think and, and predictions uh so crunching the numbers a bit i i found um so choosing the actual winner um is a bit worthless because the tories are priced at 1.05 or something so it's pretty much nothing but on smarkets actually you can find uh the vote share and I, I, I think for me, it will be uh, an historic election because the Tories have never got under 50% of the vote share in this seat, interestingly. But uh, I've, I had my eye on the Tories between 45 and 50% of the vote share at 345 um, And another thing, it, it's not offered yet, but you can request it. Um, I had a feeling the Greens could finish above Labour in this by-election purely on the HS2, um, on the HS2 issue. Um, it's currently not offered, but you can request it. But I'd say my main tip is between 45 and 50% of the vote share. Peter, any? Suggestions? Yeah, I, I, I'm. I'm not usually a, a massive fan of uh, of making concrete predictions, but I, I, I think the Lib Dems will probably win between thirty five and forty percent of the vote. Um, okay. Um, I, that that is also offered uh, on Smarket, so um, it could be a good good shout. Uh, I presume it will be yeah around the odds of between three and four something like that. Okay, um, so moving on to Batley and Spen by election. So this is if you thought Hartlepool was the biggest by election in a couple of decades, this is I think takes the cake really. Um, there seems to be so much going on. Uh, so it's happening on the 1st of July, 
uh, and the seat was vacated when the Labour MP Tracy Braden was elected the Mayor of West Yorkshire. So the previous result was rather interesting. So Labour vote share fell by almost 13% to about 22,500. Tories on about 19,000. Uh, so down actually almost 3%. And there was an independent, well, a party named the Heavy Woolen Independent came in third place with a very strong 6.4K. I do believe he had history with UKIP and was pro-Brexit. So actually, the pro-Brexit vote added together would get higher than Labour. And very interestingly, uh, the candidate has chosen not to stand uh, in this election. Uh, other, other notable absences are also Reform and Reclaim, um, who have chosen not to stand, which just the way is paved for the Tories. But another notable absence is actually the Greens, um, because their candidate, uh, Roster Peltier, who's a rugby league international player, uh, had to withdraw his candidacy because I believe they found homophobic tweets that they wrote at the age of 19, so 10 years ago. Um, seems to be the new trend at the moment, but uh, the Greens won't be standing, which could be a big help for Labour. Um, but there are 16 candidates. Um, so we have the Tor Labour, the Tories, Lib Dems. Then we have the Christian Alliance, Green Socialists, uh, the Workers' Party with George Galloway, which will be very interesting, English Democrats, Monster Raving Looney Party, the Heritage Party, the SDP, the Yorkshire Party, who did very well uh, in the West Yorkshire mayoral election. If I'm right, they got around 9% of the vote there. Uh, I fit around that, maybe. And there's a rejoin EU party, UKIP, Freedom Alliance. Um, another interesting candidate is the four Britain leader, Anne-Marie Waters. Um, I'd completely forgotten about it, to be honest. Um, uh, a couple of years ago, she was running for UKIP leadership. Um, she, she had the support of the, the far right of the, the party. Um, and she just missed out on the leadership and she pulled out and, and formed her own party for Britain. Um, and then the final uh, candidate is Jada Franson. She's running as an independent, but she's the leader of uh, Britain First, uh, which was actually what the a uh, few years ago far right terrorist who sadly murdered Joe Cox, shouted out uh, the name of that party uh, just before he, he committed the act. Uh, I think recently she stood in Nicola Sturgeon's seat and only got 65 votes, uh, but she's running again in this seat. Uh, a bit of history about the seat. So it was 60% in favor of leave. Uh, so just a bit less than Hartlepool, which is 70%. Um, it's been Labour since 1997, and 
in all its history, it's only been Tory between 1983 and 1997. And it's one of what Matthew Goodwin called the Red Wall 2.0 seat. So he talks about the fact that there are 44 seats in the North and the Midlands where Labour have a slim majority of 4,000 or less, uh, but it's filled with uh, Brexit voting, patriotic, um, socially conservative, uh, working class. Um, so, yeah, it, it sort of shows that Labour could fall further than it it. It actually is now. Uh, and as we said, this is the former seat of uh, Joe Cox, who was sadly murdered in 2016. And actually, quite controversially, it's her sister who will be standing as the Labour candidate, despite the fact that I think she, she was only a Labour member for about three weeks, goes to stand. Um, so, Peter. Is this going to be another loss for Labour? I'm not sure. Um, I think it doesn't look good. Um, and I, I look, I mean, I think if I had to put money on it right now, well, we've still got a bit, you know, a couple of weeks to go until, mm. until the by-election itself. I don't know. I, 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 think, I think the most sensible bet is probably that, uh, that Labour is going to lose it. Um, it's, I, I think it, it's not, I mean, the comparisons to Hartlepool, um, you know, aren't, necessarily accurate i mean this is a very different kind of seat in a quite a different part of the country uh i mean you know this is uh you know um this is yorkshire not not the north the northeast um but um look i i think for labor the problem is that they can't afford to they can't afford to lose any voters from uh from 2019 and they in order, you know, to, to scrape by, they've got to make sure that the conservatives don't completely absorb, uh, um, the you know, the the kind of the, the former the lead vote that uh, that that didn't go conservative in twenty nineteen that voted for the, the uh, heavy woolen uh, independent uh, candidate. Um, and you know, certainly, if you take Labour's current majority, you know, you uh, it's not necessarily very scientific this, but if you take Labour's current majority, and you know, you just uh, the uh, ju just that six thousand votes of the that the heavy woolen uh, candidate got. I mean, would be enough to, to overturn it quite handily. Um, so for Labour, you know, they they um, I mean, certainly they can't lose any votes, and it would be probably good if they could uh, if they could gain some. Fortunately, you know, the the, the national environment isn't very uh, isn't very friendly to them at the moment, um, and uh, you know, and locally on uh, on the ground, uh, they've they you know they've they have been somewhat struggling. Um, I, I think one of their biggest uh, issues right now, actually, is, is uh, George Galloway, who uh, who was not going to win uh, the, uh, the Batley and Spent by-election uh, as much as he can dream. Um, but um, but I, I but he has a uh, he has a very good chance to uh, to cut you know enough into the Labour vote there, and specifically the uh, the Muslim Labour vote uh, to. Uh, to effectively hand the seat over to the Conservatives. Um. Yeah, um, because actually I have the numbers here. So it's a very, very large uh, Asian community. So in Batley, 
15.9% is Indian and 9.2% is Pakistani. And in Heckmandwijk, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, which is uh, part of the constituency, 16.9% of the population is Pakistani. And if we remember, George Galloway um, was able to utilize uh, Muslim identity politics and the Palestine. Uh, to, it was one of the most sensational election swing. Bradford West, yeah. Yeah, 36.36% 36 swing in yeah. Bradford West. Um, and actually, yeah. it seems to be election centered around identity politics because um, quite astonishingly, um, yesterday, um, I saw that Labour were handing out leaflets um, to try and out, outdo Galloway uh, in the Muslim vote. Uh, they actually sent out a leaflet which talks about uh, their candidates' um, uh, stance on Palestine, Kashmir, and Islamophobia. And it seems to have been rather coordinated uh, because only it, it appears that only Muslim constituents have received this leaflet, so it has been very targeted. And unfortunately, what seems to have happened is that uh, local issues have, have now been completely sidelined, and uh, Labour is, is really putting all their effort into trying to stop uh, George Galloway eating into that uh, Asian vote. Quite interestingly, yeah. today, uh, and I'll pass over the mic to you, is that uh, there was a salvation poll today which found that Labour's net favourability amongst Muslims had fallen 12% uh, in the past year. So is this going to be a, another headache for, for Labour in this by-election? Yeah, I mean, as I've said, I think the uh, the Muslim vote badly has been just due to its size is a is a huge concern for them. And as I said, like la Labour can't, uh, you know, it's it's a community that Labour can't lose in badly and spend, and you know they can't lose any community in badly and spend because their majority is so thin. I mean, this just happens to be a sub very substantial electoral block, and there's a candidate in the form of George Galloway whose in entire you know mission is to just uh, is just win as many of those particular votes as possible. Um, you know, it is worth noting that uh, in Bradford West and before that in um, Bethnal Green and Bow, I believe, uh, you know, two former seats that Galloway won off Labour uh, at by-elections, um, both of those were very safe Labour seats. Um, so if Galloway manages to, to split Labour's vote to the same extent that he did in those two contests in order to win, that would just, mathematically, that would just hand the seat over to the Conservative candidate. I mean, so, um, um, but, uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, that, that, that effectively... And I, I, th I think he probably knows that. I, I, th I think he's just in it to, um, to, you know, to have a go at Keir Starmer and to, you know, essentially make him lose another by-election, uh, which I suppose is, this is right to do. Um, um, it's, um, yeah, I mean, it, it'll be interesting just to what extent, I mean, he can uh, cut into, cut into the, um, to the Muslim vote in, um, in Batlands Ben. Um, obviously, you know, he's been helped by, uh, by the, uh, by kind of, recent events both internationally and locally that have kind of um, agitated sentiment there you know um, internationally you know the recent uh, Israel kind of inflammation in the Israel-Palestine conflict 
you know, certainly uh, heightened kind of, you know, tensions. And uh, I, I, a lot of the uh, a lot of the Muslim community in places like Batley and Spen were quite dissatisfied uh, with the labor leadership's uh, response to that. Um, and, and you know, Galloway has historically, you know, been someone who would essentially swoop in and use kind of the, these types of uh, these types of issues to uh, to win over that vote. Um, it's funny because in his case, it, it, he can never uh, he can never keep that vote um, because um, you know we for, we forget that you know like. Despite his amazing by-election victory in Bradford West, he lost that seat relatively comfortably at the next general election uh, to the Labour candidate, because you know, and, and it was the same and um, same in Bethnal Green and Bell. I mean, what what, what effectively always happens with Galloway is, uh, you know, he swoops then uh, in, into a safe Labour. Well, certainly what has happened in his previous two by-election victories, he'd swoop in into a safe Labour seat with a very large uh, um, Muslim population. Um, you know, use kind of foreign policy, Israel-Palestine kind of identity issues to win. Um, and then over the next few years, uh, his Muslim constituents uh, suddenly realized that he cares a lot more about Gaza than he does about Bradford. Um, and then they uh, then they just go back to labor. Um, again, I, the, the, th the thing about, oh, and in, in Batley and Spen, I mean, locally, you've had the whole saga with the, uh, uh, with the school teacher who was suspended for showing uh, cartoons of the, of the Prophet mm. Muhammad. Um, and uh, I, th I think Galloway has been doing something over that. I'm not sure what, but but but, but he'll do everything he can to you know uh, uh, to agitate his way uh, you know in, in, into that voter group. Um, but again, there's like there is um, I think yeah. I, I, all that can be said on, on the matter is he's not going to win it, but he doesn't have to cut too far deep into Labour's uh, support. Uh, in order, in order for the conservatives to just quite easily win that by-election. Uh, what's interesting is it. It just seems to be doing it. It's like he he's offered nothing to the actual locals. It's just like if you look at all his posters, it's just like kick Keir Starmer out. Yeah. It just seems to be uh, sort of his opportunity just to sort of uh, attack Keir Starmer personally. Uh, I've, I've just found it quite interesting that all of his campaign posters, he mentions Keir Starmer. Um, Look at the end. Of, at the end of the day, I mean, like, I don't think he's expecting to win this by-election. I think I think he's already won the by-election in the way he wants to win, and that he's gotten a bunch of media coverage because of it. I mean, that, that, that's basically it. He's, um... And uh, going back to the Batley Grammar School. Uh, scandal. Are there any parties that have played on that or that have kept silent? What, what's the general uh, policy behind the uh, the scandal? Has it been mentioned I, I, a lot? I think from what I've seen is that the, the major parties have kind of preferred to sweep it under the rug and not talk about it, um, which in a way is kind of unfortunate because it has basically allowed extremists on both sides to seize control of the of the conversation. I mean, you have obviously, you know, uh, in, in the by-election, you have, you know, candidates, uh, you know, from the For Britain party and Jada Franson from Britain First, you know, who are, you know, quite very far right, you know, basically fascist organizations um, that have, you know, made a name for themselves previously just by, by uh, antagonizing and attacking Britain's Muslim community. Um, 
And, you know, on the, on the other hand, um, you have, you know, people like George Galloway who are trying to kind of agitate from the other side. Um, I, I know certainly the, um, the, um, a lot of the Muslim community in Batley and Spen uh, were also quite displeased about how like none of the, you know, no one in kind of in the mainstream sphere wanted to wanted to discuss this because what what ended up happening as a result is um, um, in the Muslim community a lot a lot of the um, uh, it kind of also allowed more extreme elements to kind of seize control of the of the conversation many of whom aren't even from uh, from Batley and Spen you've had a kind of a lot of uh, more extreme uh, Islamist types come over and uh, and agitate there um, you know from from elsewhere um, so I mean it, it, it's uh, it's a very terrible situation. Um, and I, I think probably it's it's not it's not great that the mainstream parties have just completely tried to decided to stay out of it and kind of let the more extreme elements uh, battle it out instead. I don't I don't think it'll play that much of a factor. I mean, in, in the actual by-election, I mean, I, I don't expect I don't expect the far right candidates to win really any any votes uh, any any meaningful number of votes. Um, but I mean, but but, but but even even their presence there, you know, shows that mainstream parties have kind of failed to, uh, to mm. talk about the issue properly. I suppose. Yeah, uh, I thought I'd sort of try and build a defence on how Labour could hold the seat. So the main point that I've got really is that if you look at the local election result, uh, so if you add together all the wards, the council wards that make up the Batley and Spen constituency. Very interestingly, uh, the Tories and Labour were neck and neck. So 39.9% for the Tories, 39.6% for Labour, with the Lib Dems unusually high at 11.6%. But what uh, I think it was Stephen Bush of the uh, New Statesman pointed out was one sort of positive that you could take from the Hartlepool result was that Labour managed to squeeze the, the left and centre parties down to its core voters. So uh, the Lib Dems and the Greens only received around 350 votes each and the Lib Dems lost uh, three or four percent of the vote. Uh, if Labour can repeat that and with the Greens not standing uh, it's an opportunity to sort of engulf that vote, then possibly it could hold on to the seat. Um, could, could we see that sort of pattern repeat itself? Um, perhaps. I mean, in terms of the Greens, it, it should be worth mentioning that even though they don't have a candidate, they got 700 votes there last time in 2019. So I, I, I don't think their vote is going to be that much of a factor. And the Lib Dems lost their deposit as well um, in 2019 in Batley and um, I, I think certainly, you know, can, can Labour gain some of those voters? Uh, yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't think there's any particularly stopping them. Um, but ultimately, I don't think there's quite enough of them. Like, you know, if, if, if all of the if, if all the Greens and Lib Dems, I think, switched to Labour, but all the heavy wool and independents switched to the Conservatives, and you know Galloway knocks a few percent off Labour as well. I, I, you know that that's that's still I'm pretty sure that's still a Tory victory. Um, I mean, in terms of the local election results, I mean, I, I don't know how much uh, kind of you want to put stock in that, um, considering you know local election results generally aren't very good predictor of how people vote. Uh, you know, in Westminster elections. Um, 
you know, people, some of these people just vote differently. Some people, you know, don't bother to turn out on local elections. You know, someone might, uh, you know, uh, want labor in charge of the NHS, but doesn't want them touching their bins. You know, like it's, it's, um, yeah, I don't think you can quite compare the two. Um, but, but, you know, if, if, if that is the case, if, if they really, you know, were, you know, off to local elections, if they were really neck and neck in Bentley and Spen, I mean, I, I think that probably favors the conservatives, uh, you know, uh, going into this, um, again, assuming, you know, assuming, uh, you know, George Galloway doesn't completely implode and, uh, and loses his deposit, um, I mean, he could, he could, he could still hand the election to the conservatives, even if he does lose his deposit, you know, uh, because, you know, by all accounts, it's going to be very close, but, um, but certainly if, if I, if I were, if I were the conservatives looking at those local election results, I'd be, I'd be pretty happy about it. Uh, and, and one last possible uh, reason is uh, we, we, we heard around a couple of hours ago that uh, we will no longer have our Freedom Day on yes. the 21st of June. Uh, it will now be on the 19th of July. Uh, could we see possibly the Tories missing out on votes, possibly going to some of the right-wing uh, freedom, pro-freedom no. parties? No. No? <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I mean, look, I mean, whatever your view on, you know, lockdowns, unlocking, you know, should we do it now? Should we have done it months ago? Should we never have been a lot? Well, like, what, whatever your view on all of that is, uh, it's worth pointing out that if, if you are on the, you know, vehemently anti-lockdown side, the vast majority of the British public uh, aren't like you. Um, I'm still saying you're necessarily wrong or whatever. I, you know, I'm not mm. going to get into that. Um, but I mean, I mean I, yeah, I, th I think some of the, the kind of the Twitter sphere discussion does sometimes miss that. M like most, uh, like the vast majority of British voters um, are in favor of lockdowns, um, um, now have been in favor of them, you know, throughout. Um, polling shows that most voters are, you know, skeptical about early reopenings. Um, so, I mean, I, I, do I don't think it's going to, I don't think it's going to be a big, big factor in Bali and Spen. Um, I mean, if, if Boris Johnson, if Boris Johnson uh, was, uh, you know, said today that, hey, you know, we're going to delay reopening for, for a year, um, uh, you know, for something ridiculous like that, I think, you know, maybe at that point. But as far as we know, the British public is pretty much on the government side as far as COVID is concerned, you know, even with today's news. Has that surprised you at all? Um, to, for me, every time I see a new poll, um, on whether the public supports lockdowns or new measures. I just can't believe it every time. It's quite a stonking majority in, in favor of, of lockdowns and more restrictions. Is that something that surprised you at all from the British public? It surprised me initially. Like, uh, I, I think I was one of the, by initially, I mean, last year when lockdown was first introduced. I mean, I was, I was among the many people who, uh, you know, when they saw, uh, you know, Lombardia lockdown in Italy, you know that whole region. Um, you know, I thought, well, you know, they're they're, they're not going to be able to keep this up for, for more than six weeks because people are just going to, you know, people are just going to riot. But uh, I, but uh, I mean, it turns out like we were all completely wrong about that, or certainly a lot of people, you know, like me who said like people won't, people won't take it um, for a long time. And then, um, you know, it, it turns out, you know, the, I mean, it, does it still surprise me? I mean, not really. I I, I think. I think the government's done a good job, you know, in terms of, you know, messaging, 
regardless of you know their other hand like of the pandemic um um which in many cases has been pretty appalling uh i i think you know that their their central core kind of message around protecting the nhs and just you know buying ourselves time with the vaccines i think most people are pretty receptive to that i think if the if the furlough scheme wasn't in place then we might have a completely different story because then people's livelihoods mm. would be you know very directly affected but that's not the case i mean furlough scheme is still there um so I, I look. I think I think most people, you know, when they, I, I don't think it really surprises me that uh, if people hear, okay, we have to wait, you know, four more weeks, and at the end of the day, look, look, I mean, the country is relatively open as it is. Like, there's not that many things you can't do now that you can do, you know, on so-called freedom day. I mean, like, you can still you can still go to the pub with all your friends, you can hang out, you can do whatever. I, um, okay, you go and have a massive nightclub, right? N nightclub uh, rave, uh, but uh, you know, all right. Um, so look, I mean, yeah, I don't think I don't think I'm too surprised that most people aren't uh, aren't you know being too agitated about this. But I mean, that that's that's a conversation really for for another time. <laughs> yeah, we'll have to put the dancing shoes away for now. Um, but going back to Labour, uh, just as a sort of a final round off, uh, if Labour were to lose this seat, what does the future hold for the party and Keir Starmer's leadership? I mean, I don't think it would say anything new in particular. Um, I mean, I guess it depends like how they lose it. Because um, I mean, in Hartlepool, I mean, they lost it, you know, <laughs> very badly. I mean, a lot of people, a lot of people, including myself, you know, expected them to lose, but thought, you know, it'd be relatively close. I mean, it wasn't remotely close. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I guess it depends on just what the result is. I mean, at the end of the day, like we want to be just simple about it, right? Um, Batley and Spend is the kind of, and Hartlepool, these are both constituencies that if the Labour Party was on course for, you know, a parliamentary majority, they would be winning both of them easily, including Hartlepool. Like, but the fact that they, you know, they've lost Hartlepool and they're, even though they're, just the fact that they're struggling in Batley and Spend, you know, I mean, shows that, you know, the party is just nowhere near, uh, you know, uh, where they would need to be in order to even hope of winning the next general election. I mean, that, that's basically it. Okay, um, so we'll have some tips now, tips and predictions. Um, so can you can you see any other results other than a Tory uh, steal? Um, sure. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked if Labour were to hold it. Um, I think it's probably more plausible to holding it than in Hartlepool. Um, you know, all they would need to do is you know, make sure Galloway, you know, goes away back to his radio station and, uh, and you know, mitigate losses to the Conservatives while winning over some more Lib Dems. I mean, like, and then, you know, it'll be very close, but yeah, they could hold it. Um, the national environment and, you know, you know, kind of spoiler candidates do, do I think, make it more favorable to the Conservatives there. But uh, no, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if they were to hold it. Mm. I'm looking at the latest odds and the Tories are 1.4. It's not amazing. Uh, Labour 3.5. I'd, I'd be very tempted to put a few quids on that because uh, just because it's quite good odds. Uh, but I, I'd, I'd probably have to agree and say that for me, the Tories will, will edge out uh, Labour. I think uh, Galloway is going to eat uh, into that Labour, he doesn't need to eat that much into it in order to swing the seat. So I think that could do it. 
Um, more precisely though, so the Labour vote share, um, so they got 42 in the last election and the Tories 36. Um, I'm hesitating between Labour getting between 30 and 35 or 35 and 40. Uh, how, how much will Labour's percentage deplete, do you think? I think Labour will get between probably 35 and oh, I'm, I'm, repeat, I'm repeating my I'm repeating my Cheshire and Amish prediction. Yeah, 35 to 40 percent. I, I I mean that 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 seems reasonable to me. I don't I don't think they're going to collapse below 35, or I'd be pretty surprised if that happened. Although who knows? I mean, again, hardly I expected Harley Bills to be much closer than it than it was in the end. So maybe I'll be wrong about this one as well. But uh, yeah, I think 35 to 40, and the Conservatives kind of a maybe. 38 to 40, mm. 43. Yeah, I somewhere on that range. I mean, actually, maybe even not that high. I, I, I don't know. Um, yeah, I, 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 I'm much more, yeah, probably more comfortable in saying Labour, but probably 35 to 40. Mm. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree with you on that one. I think that's offered at 3.2 currently. So yeah, Labour between 35 and 40%. Okay, well, um, next episode, we will be reflecting on the two results, um, talking about the future of Labour as well. So tune in uh, probably a day or two after the uh, Batley and Spen elections. Uh, well, Peter, it, it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you. Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me on and uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll discuss the results at some point. Yeah, great. I look forward to it. Uh, so, yeah, thank you, Peter, and uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed it, and uh, stick around for more. Bye-bye. Sure.